So now we're going to go on to a new topic, or I, should, I, I touched on this briefly earlier, but it's related to Roth, which is, you know, I again, going from an IRA to a Roth IRA, you're going from the taxable environment to the tax-free environment. What are some other ways of going from the taxable environment to the tax-free environment um, without doing a Roth IRA? Well, you could take some IRA money, cash it in, pay the tax. Now you have just plain old after-tax dollars left. Then you take some of the after-tax dollars after cashing in part of your IRA and you give that money to your heirs who will then hopefully invest in something that is tax-free. So what are some samples or examples of that? Well, a 529 plan, uh, which is probably consistent with your values. Uh, I love 529 plans. They're easy. They're cheap administratively. Uh, you know, virtual, I think there's probably, I think it, every state has, has their own. Um, I'm kind of a cheapskate. I like the lower fee ones, you know, like Vanguard or TI Cref, but, um, and it's not even necessarily all that important of which state either you or your beneficiary live in. There might be some state tax benefits, but anyway, tax-free growth, as long as the money comes out for the, uh, for a qualifying educational use, that is a great example of tax-free growth. Life insurance, we talked a little bit about that earlier. Income tax-free, so let's say over time you pay $300,000 in premiums and the death benefit is a million dollars and the euphemism the insurance companies guys like to use is when the policy matures and your beneficiary gets a million dollars, you think, well, who has to pay tax on that $700,000? which is the difference between how much money went in its premiums and what the death benefit was, and the answer is nobody. So it becomes an income tax-free, and assuming it is done right, a state tax-free vehicle, which is just wonderful. Um, you can have your beneficiaries or your heirs take some of the money that you gift and then put money in their IRAs, their Roth IRAs, I'm sorry, their Roth IRAs, their Roth 401ks, their Roth 403bs, or even use some of that money to do a Roth IRA conversion for them. Um, it's another great tax-free vehicle that is outside your estate. We talked a little bit about health savings accounts um, uh, earlier uh, in the first session. And by the way, they, I, I was stumped on what happens after you die. The short answer is um, assuming that your spouse takes, keeps the money uh, and doesn't withdraw it before it was either age 60 or 65, they can kind of keep the benefits to a, uh, a non-spousal heir. Um, unless that money comes out, I think within a year, there, there's going to be uh, taxes on, on, on that. But anyway, um, the health savings accounts are still great. Um, and one idea is take the, some IRA, cash it in, take the after-tax dollars, gift it to your kid, and have your kid uh, invest in an HSA. Um, and, and if you think about it, all these are kind of like a Roth IRA conversion strategy uh, of going from taxable to tax-free. But the other thing is, this is going to be taxable for tax-free and outside your estate because it won't be yours. The 529 is outside your estate. And again, the kid's money that is invested tax-free 
Um, again, whether it's their own Roth IRA, Roth 401k, they use the money to pay tax on a conversion or even uh, life insurance, that is going to be tax-free. So some, some pretty cool stuff there. Um, and the estate tax savings could end up being substantial. So right now we've got a little blase about estate tax savings. Uh, the current exclusion is $12.06 million. And if you're married, that means you can do what, $24.1 million and escape federal estate tax, which I prefer to call it transfer tax. Well, the, again, that, that nasty uh, sunset provision in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 is going to change that $12 million to $5 million plus inflation uh, starting in 2026. This is assuming Congress doesn't pass anything. Some think it'll even go lower, which was the $3.5 million. Um, I heard it was going to be $5 million plus inflation. Um, but the other thing is the country is, really needs the money. And I don't know how to say it nicely, but it's easier to tax dead people than alive people. And for, for years and years and years, the federal estate tax was a significant source of revenue for the IRS. And if you look to this chart, you'll see in the late 90s how low the exemption amount is compared to how high it is now. Now, again, it's supposed to come back down, but it might come back down even lower. And again, um, this Roth IRA conversions are not only great to reduce your income taxes and the income taxes of your beneficiaries, but might reduce your federal estate tax. And the other thing is, um, even if you're not in a federal estate tax situation, you might live or die in a state that does have a transfer tax. And by doing a Roth IRA conversion, you are actually saving transfer taxes. And if you live in a place like New York or California, uh, they become both the income taxes and the estate taxes uh, on these inherited IRAs are substantial. Um, and by the way, that's part of the planning of when do you do a Roth conversion? Because to do it right, you have to say, okay, where are you a resident now? Where are you likely to die? Where are your kids likely to be a resident um, after your death? And all that uh, is important. So, for example, we have a lot of Pennsylvania clients, um, although most of our new clients are from all over the country. But traditionally, we had more Pennsylvania clients. Pennsylvania doesn't tax um, Roth IRAs or Roth IRA conversions. And if somebody was going to move to California, um, you know, we would try to do the Roth conversion before they moved. And that way, the Roth distributions um, and it lowered the California transfer tax. Now, what you don't want to do is live in a city or a state like New York or California where you didn't get you weren't able to deduct your retirement plan contributions um, and move to, um, so, you know, that, that was, I'm, I'm sorry, you were allowed to, and then you moved to Pennsylvania and you, you, uh, wait, I'm going the wrong way. If you don't, you don't want to go from a high estate tax. You do want to go from a high estate tax 
to a low estate tax or a lower income tax, but then wait to do the Roth IRA conversion until after you've moved. This is probably more applicable to people maybe moving to Florida, uh, moving to Texas, uh, moving from a taxable or a high state income and transfer tax state to a low or no income tax or no uh, transfer tax state. So that is something to keep in mind. It's not just the federal transfer taxes. All right, now, the backdoor Roth IRAs. Um, again, I got all these questions on the backdoor Roth IRAs when I was presenting to the thousand uh, physicians. So what we were hearing uh, before the end of the year is, hey, these backdoor Roths, they're going to be eliminated. And we even heard, oh, they're going to be eliminated retroactively. So even if it's done not on January 1, but you know later in the year, um, these backdoor Roths are going to be eliminated retroactively to January 1, 2022. And maybe that is exactly what's going to happen. But this is what I will tell you. I don't think that this is on the top of everybody's mind with Ukraine and everything else. And the longer you go without changing the law, the more difficult it is to eliminate the backdoor Roth retroactively. Can't promise it. And if you do some of the things that I'm about to talk about, it might just be wiped out by a retroactive change in the law. On the other, in which case, presumably, there will be some methods of putting you in the same position than if you did nothing. In other words, they're not going to punish you for doing this, especially if they do a retroactive law. But it still might make a lot of sense. So let's take a look at some of the variations of let's call it the backdoor Roth, which, by the way, we've been recommending for years, even when it was unclear whether we could do it, then it became clear we could do it. So the backdoor, let's just talk about Roth contributions. And like any IRA, you must have earned income in order to qualify for any kind of IRA or Roth IRA or backdoor Roth IRA contributions. And let's assume that you're married and your married filing joint income exceeds $144,000, all right? So basically, and there's actually a phase out in between, but um, let's assume that your income is too high to qualify to do a Roth IRA contribution. And let's assume that you don't have any other IRAs, and that's another assumption. We can take your existing IRAs and maybe roll them into your 401k uh, or even one person 401k. Then you make a $7,000, this is for over seven, over 50, you make a $7,000 Roth IRA, I'm sorry, non-deductible IRA uh, contribution for yourself and for your spouse. So now you have $14,000 of these non-deductible IRAs. Um, and then you convert your $14,000 of non-deductible IRA to a Roth and you don't have to pay any taxes on that because the non-deductible IRA has what's called basis. So what you have in effect done is you have gone around the $144,000 income limitation. If your income is less than that, there's no reason to go through all these gyrations. But my wife and I have been doing that for years and years and years. And, and you know, we, we've just benefited so much from that strategy. Okay. If you don't 
by the way, I said you take the IRA and roll it into a 401k because I don't want to get into the proration rules, which is a mess if you have existing IRAs. Then this is the what I'll call the mega backdoor Roth. Um, and here's a really big if. Your retirement plan at work must allow a backdoor Roth. And what we're, we're not talking about Roth IRA at this point. We're actually talking about a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b. Let's assume, however, that you either have enough sway to change the company policy or the company is enlightened, which most companies are not, and they say, okay, we are going to allow this. So let's assume, for example, that you're in a position that you can max out your retirement plan. Now, for 2022, the total uh, amounts of money that you can contribute to these most of these retirement plans are always the higher parts of them. In some, you can do more, but let's just keep it simple for a minute, is $67,500. All right. Then let's say that of that, maybe uh, 27000 is the maximum that you yourself can contribute. Uh, and and you, again, you get a choice of either traditional or Roth with your $27,000. let us say presumably it's going to be $27,000 in a uh, Roth. Then the employer is kicking in 10-5 because let's say that's just a percentage of your salary that the employer will kick in. All right. So, and, and by the way, the employer share is always going to be traditional. So now there's $30,000 that is remaining that is less than the total amount of the amount of retirement plan contribution that you're allowed to do. Well, what you could do, and hardly anybody does this, but it's a really cool strategy. And again, I hope that that they don't make that they don't eliminate this retroactively. We've saved a, a ton of money doing Roth IRA uh, backdoor Roth IRA conversions, and we'll talk about two other techniques. But here's a really cool idea: you actually write a check, assuming the plan allows it, to the plan. So you're writing a check of app for after-tax dollars to the plan, and then you make a Roth conversion of that $30,000 immediately. And you don't have to worry about the proration and all that kind of stuff because um, it's part of a 401k, not an IRA. So what you've in fact done is you've converted $30,000 of after-tax dollars to $30,000 of a Roth 401k or 403b without having to pay any taxes. And over time, even if you just do it once, if you look at this over, say, a 40-year period, your family, and even if you're not going to be around for 40 years, your family is going to be better off by hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you do it multiple years, it can be even more. So it's really powerful. We've been doing it for years. Um, and again, uh, it's literally you writing a check. Okay, a couple other techniques. Um, again, stuff I've been doing for years. Let's say that you have some after-tax dollars in your IRA. And a lot of you do, whether you know it or not. And this is typically for high-income earners that allowed a, a contribution to a retirement plan based on a percentage of wages. And the percentage of wages limitation was higher than the amount that you could deduct. So to make it simple, 
let's say that uh, back way back when they allowed you to deduct, um, say, $10,000, but the percentage of your compensation that you were allowed to put into a retirement plan was $20,000. So for that extra $10,000, you didn't get a tax deduction, nor was it a Roth. It was plain old after-tax dollars because you didn't get a tax break, um, or by the way, a, a non-deductible IRA, same, same concept. You didn't get a tax break, but again, we're now assuming that this is in an IRA. All right, so how do you go from the IRA, which has both after-tax dollars and pre-tax dollars. Ed Slot calls it separating the coffee from the, the, the uh, separating the cream from uh, the rest of the coffee. So what you do um, is you establish a one-person 401k. And again, you need to have earned income to have this one-person 401k, or maybe you even have an existing 401k uh, at work right now. Um, so you get your and you get a special type of retirement plan that will not accept the rollover of after-tax dollars in the IRA into the 401k. The 401k, by the rules of the plan, says we will only accept pre-tax dollars. So you take all the pre-tax dollars in your IRA and you roll it into a 401k, leaving nothing but after-tax or basis dollars in your IRA. Then, with the after-tax dollars in your IRA, you make a Roth IRA conversion of that. So you, in effect, are taking the after-tax dollars in the IRA, converting it to a Roth without having to pay the tax. So the proration rules I had talked about earlier, that applies to all your IRAs. But, and I think it's a loophole, but it's a loophole I've exploited to benefit clients by hundreds of thousands of dollars collectively you know, millions and millions. But anyway, um, they don't prorate the combination of IRAs and 401ks, which theoretically they should, but they don't. So you're able to convert your after-tax dollars in an IRA to a Roth IRA without having to pay the tax. That is cool. The Westinghouse people love doing that because most of them, at least the ones I deal with, did have higher compensation levels than they were allowed. They were conservative. They maxed out their retirement plan, even if they didn't get a tax break. Now, years later, they are uh, doing that. And it is just wonderful because it doesn't cost them a nickel. And they're going from, uh, let's call it after tax within an IRA to um, a Roth IRA for free. By the way, that is part of uh, the book, Roth Revolution, Pay Taxes Once and Never Again. Um, I did an article about that years and years ago and we can still do it and we are doing it. Uh, that, that is one of your bonuses. The other thing is let's say that you retire and you have both after-tax and pre-tax dollars in your existing retirement plan. Well, um, Internal Revenue Service Notice 2014-54 says, hey, your employer can send the pre-tax dollars to your IRA and they can send the after-tax dollars directly to a Roth IRA. A lot of people don't even know that. We've been doing that for years. It's wonderful. Um, but, and again, this might end this year. Uh, and it might end retroactively. So you might do a lot of this stuff that I'm suggesting and then find out, oh, gee, they changed the law. You can't do anything about it. 
or maybe they don't change it retroactively or maybe they change it next year or whatever. So I'll just say it is a really interesting technique. We've been doing it for years. Um, sometimes the benefits of it literally are, are, are just enormous. Okay, so let's see. We still have some time left. Uh, and I, I do want to talk about Social Security. I might have to, to do the abbreviated version because I think people are more interested in Roth and Social Security. But why don't I take maybe two more questions on Roth IRAs and then I'll do a little Social Security and then we'll wrap up for the day. Awesome. Okay. Um, and I also was reminded because we are going to be doing uh, soon, we're going to be putting the offers up for uh, the bonuses. So uh, if you are interested in either working with us in an asset center management capacity and having a consultation for that, or if you are interested in a master plan engagement, um, you definitely want to fill that form out now because it's going to be replaced later on by the bonus offer. So if you know that you want that, again, we had a lot of signups this morning. Uh, so if you know that you want that, get in line now uh, so that you can get on Jim's calendar. Okay, so we do have a bunch of questions from the live room. They're really pouring in during the second half of your presentation. Um, but uh, let me see, there were a few from the very beginning that I don't wanna miss. So, okay, this is a question from Joe, and I think it might be one of those that you can kind of take. It seems like it, it could go in a lot of directions. So I, I think you'll be able though to construct an answer that a lot of people might be interested in. So um, Joe asks, what are the ways to reduce RMD distributions in conjunction with Roth conversions relative to various tax brackets and the sunset issue. So I think really what he's saying is, uh, what are strategies to reduce tax liability for your retirement accounts given? Well, assuming that, and, and, and by the way, if you do a Roth, let's say that you're older than 72, you're taking minimum required distributions. What some people wanna do is say, hey, since I have to take a minimum required distribution anyway, and pay tax on it, is what I have left over, can that be a Roth? The answer is no, good try. But one way, and so I think the question is a little bit general, what are, what are some, let's say, tax reduction ideas and ways to get into a lower tax bracket? And one of the things that comes to mind is something called a QCD, which is a qualified charitable deduction, which in many cases is... Uh, one of the best ways for people 72 and older, I'm sorry, 70 and a half and older, it's not the same age as a minimum required distribution. And that's money that goes directly from your IRA, directly to the charity of your choice. Do not pass go. Uh, it's not income for you. All right. So if you took the money, then it would be income, but it's not, it's part of your, could be part of your minimum. So let's just say for discussion sake, your minimum required distribution is $50,000 and you want to make a $25,000 charitable contribution. What you would do is you would take $25,000 from your minimum required distribution of $50,000, direct that to the charity, and then the taxable amount of your um, uh, IRA distribution, instead of being $50,000, it's only $25,000. Then let's say you make a $25,000 Roth conversion. So you end up in effect helping subsidize your charitable contribution. Um, and the other thing that you can maybe think about 
is we do a strategy that we call bunching, which is in particular with the limitations that are so miserable um, on our itemized deductions where you know, we're, we now have lower amounts where we, we can only deduct $10,000 of our taxes, including our real estate taxes, and our state and local income taxes. And sometimes what might make sense is that we time uh, when we incur these expenses and we might just say for discussion's sake, we might pay um, all of our uh, otherwise deductible itemized deductions in one year and then not pay any or as few as possible in the next year. And that way we reduce our income and that potentially do a Roth conversion. So uh, there's different strategies. Everybody is different, but those are the two that, that come to mind.